Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Crewell. And today we're, we're going to discuss some of the virtual conferences. There's a lot of them out there that we're seeing today, and not just in business, but in education and throughout society. So we're going to kind of talk about what we've seen, what works and what doesn't work, and what could be better. Yep, we've attended a number of these conferences. We both attended the virtual NVIDIA GPU Technology Conference, aka GTC. And then I've more recently attended the Microsoft GainStack event where they launched some of the new Xbox hardware. And uh, recently, the Spring Lindley Processor Conference, which turned into a four-day, four-morning, I should say, virtual conference that normally was just a two-day conference, multi-tracked, and spent four mornings sitting in on all the conference proceedings and then wrote it up for EE Times. The Microsoft conference used its Mixer video service for the content and then a service called Discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D, for the Q&A. Mixer is a kind of a competitor to Twitch, so it's good for streaming, but it wasn't that interactive. It was designed more for as a broadcast solution. Uh, and that's where Discord came in and it, it provided the Q&A aspect. So it wasn't integrated. It was two different services trying to patch it together. The NVIDIA conference used a service called On24. Now, On24 has been used by a lot of corporations for their financial analyst calls and earnings reports. It's, it's a very lockdown system, good security, but there are no video options. So you can present slides with voiceovers, and it has an integrated text Q&A function, but you kind of lose a bit of the interactiveness by not seeing the streaming video of the presenter. So it becomes a little more like a, just a slideshow with voiceover, and it, I think it loses it, some interactivity. The Lindley Conference, it actually is amazing. They, they, in just two weeks' time, they put this together. They use Zoom, which is what a lot of people are using these days, and it's come from, Zoom came from a pretty far, obscure video conference service to a very mainstream one right now. Everybody and their grandmother are getting on Zoom calls, and it was very... It actually went off really well. Now, there have been some problems with Zoom, with Zoom bombing, where somebody gets the code and they jump in. But the paid version of Zoom, if you manage it correctly, you can limit whose slides are presented or whose video is shown. And also, you can you know switch those people in and out. And it worked out really well for Lindley's conference. The presenters had a live video stream, plus the slides. There's two functions in Zoom. One's a chat and one's a Q&A function. And so that that actually can be a little confusing at times. You have to kind of specify, are you asking questions in the chat, which is everybody has access to, including the presenters and the participants, or the Q&A, which is only accessible by the presenters. So that's a little differentiation between the two functions. And it worked really well. It did require all the various presenters to kind of get up the speed on Zoom and make sure they knew how to use it. And I mean, it lucked out with Lindley. They had a lot of presenters. They had an audience of approximately 1,100 people that had registered for the event, which is larger than a typical Lindley conference. And it reached globally so people could watch it and, and then replay it later on as well. So I think there was some real benefits for the Lindley conference. Of course, 
you do lose some stuff. The thing that you lose about video, these video conferences is you lose the sort of serendipitous interaction you get when you have people together at a conference and the, the little side conversations that you have with people and see the people you know and people you've just met. And you do lose that in a virtual conference. There isn't quite that feature in Zoom or although you could, could sort of do it in chat, but it, it's still pretty hard to do in, in a real, real effective manner. Yeah, actually, you know, it's interesting. First off, clarification, you know, all this Zoom bombing and stuff, there are, even in the free version, there's actually different settings, easy-to-use settings, where you can lock people out or put them in a waiting room and stuff like this or and limit their interaction. So, you know, some of that whole Zoom bombing was people just really not even looking at the basic features that you can use. But to Kevin's point, there are, you, you need to, whenever you get into these applications, you have to look at their features and stuff. And to your point, Kevin, about, you know, not being able to share those side discussions. You know, I was on a call yesterday and what we actually did was we actually set up WhatsApp on the side. So people could actually chat between each other or have side chats instead of interacting over the chat box in the application. Um, that seemed to work really well, although we had to remind everyone that if you're going to do that, you have to turn off your notification chime. <laughs> <laughs> that was getting a little bit annoying. See, that's because it's not integrated. Those are using two separate functions, two different applications to try to do an integrated solution, that, and that's not fully integrated. I agree, but I've also been, I was on a call last week, and it was kind of this huge group industry call, and some of the people were just going nuts on the chat box about nothing and everything. It was like being in a virtual press conference where everyone's just trying to get their name up on the board, and it got to the point where the presenters were overwhelmed. I mean, they actually had to stop, and it took them probably 15 minutes just to figure out which things in that chat box were questions, and that was really bad. Yeah, that, that's why the Zoom feature of having splitting chat from Q&A works out well. I actually was also, so a little wine snobbery, I was on a wine call yesterday to, for Ridge Winery, and they had a virtual tasting of some of the wines, and the, the winemakers were there, and and so they, they did split. There were people chatting, but the real Q&A section was when you asked a question and the, the host would, would actually respond to Wow, you actually called yourself a snob. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, you, you know, and you're right. I think people, the biggest challenge is teaching people how to use those features and selecting the application. You know, as you noted, video conferences, conferencing is streaming through our society, all pun intended. Yes. Colleges have latched on, especially to Zoom, which has become a preference. And that's kind of propelled Zoom throughout a, the rest of our society and a lot of people. I helped my father-in-law, who's an Arizona State university professor set up on zoom and he was really really concerned about it he was even thinking that maybe he didn't want to teach anymore after showing him how to use it and all the features and everything else he actually got excited he actually likes it now he's actually saying that he's getting better interaction with his students than he did in a classroom not to mention it opens it up to reaching a larger audience just like the conferences but even his my mother-in-law now is using it for her 
interaction with one of her key organizations, which is the Arizona Historical Society, or she likes to call it the Hysterical Society. She's using it, and people are really starting to use it. And there's so many apps out there. I mean, there's Google Hangouts. There's Microsoft has both Teams and Skype. I guess Skype's eventually going to go away. WebEx from Cisco. Citrix has GoMeeting. Verizon just bought a company called BlueJeans, who neither of us have even used. There's ClickMeeting. We even were on another one from Europe called Circuit this morning. So there's a lot of solutions. Some of them have paywalls. Some of them are free. Some of them you have to have a particular operating system or application, you know, whether they're Android or Apple or Microsoft uh, Windows. But, you know, the key thing, I think, is to find a solution that fits and that's easy to use. And I think that's one reason Zoom has really taken off. Google is usually really useful, too, but Zoom goes across every application, it seems like. Yeah, I think that's Zoom, because it's a platform agnostic, has done well in that regard. And it, it, you can use it on just about any platform. I'm actually surprised Google Hangouts hasn't done better. But I think it's it's too locked to the Google ecosystem. It's not as known as a, a third-party standalone. And of course, Microsoft, Skype's been around forever. And we use, actually, right now in this call, we're using Skype. But it's not it doesn't scale to so many people you'd want to do a conference with. Webex does, and Citrix Go to Meeting does, but again, these they're not as approachable, and often you need a an account, you need to pay. Yeah, I and I agree with you with Google Hangouts. I really like Google Hangouts, but you're right, most people, it kind of had a ramp up along with Google Voice and Google Plus and everything else, and I think it kind of got lost with all those other applications. But very much like Zoom, the nice thing about some of these applications, Google Hangouts and Zoom is, with a click of the button, you can record the audio and the video so you can turn it into a webcast or a podcast or anything else. They're very useful applications if you just look at some of the features that are available. You know, these are all video functions, but you, you and I have talked about it. it. It would be really great if there was, and, and this is address that sort of interactiveness, a VR solution. Now, there are some VR environments uh there's one from uh oculus and and facebook and then there's a, a third party company called uh, linden labs which everybody might remember from second life and they have one called sansar s-a-n-s-a-r and that's a virtual world and you can create spaces and you can wander around and talk to people and in interact it just wasn't set up for large-scale interactiveness and but there there seems like this is would be a, a prime time for the vr companies to step up and create virt, more virtual interactive environments so I, i'm actually a bit surprised that nobody's made a, a more concerted effort there from either on the facebook side or uh, htc side or a number of the other micro even microsoft because microsoft has their vr set up as well and the mixed reality so that seems to be, I'd love to see somebody do something here. You know, I completely agree with you. I, I think that, you know, a lot of the conferences could be replaced by a virtual environment where you could see demos, you could wait in line, you could talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. There's a lot of things you could do. Matter of fact, a great example of this, and this is coming from the, I guess, gaming environment, is Minecraft. I mean, there's almost a half a billion accounts on Minecraft. And in this new COVID-19 environment, a lot of students are stepping up and using Minecraft, the, the, you know, the gaming or virtual environment that they grew up with. Some of the students have stepped up to start creating virtual campuses that mimic their real campus. 
And a couple of colleges are even uh, talking about possibly doing a virtual graduation through Minecraft. So all this is feasible. And obviously, there's a lot of interest in it, a lot of developers and creators out there that could add to it. I'm almost wondering, does this come from corporate America or does this come from kind of a crowdsourcing thing like Minecraft? Yeah, kind of a grounds up sort of thing. It, 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 it does require people to sort of step in and become their own creators, I think. And, you know, that's, that's actually maybe one of the more interesting aspects of this is that people become more in touch with their own creative self-sufficiency and self-sufficient thing. I, one of the things that's, this is a bit of a detour here, but one of the things that's become very popular is baking right now during this quarantine. People are baking like crazy and sharing their results. People are making their own masks. People are using 3D printers to help out uh, and create real masks for first responders and such. So there seems to be a movement for people to be more creative. And you know the the sale of laptops has taken off. The people are bringing more laptops home, and and are working from home and creating from home. So this is maybe we get the sort of an interesting side effect. This is we become a little more decentralized and a little more creative, creative at home sort of thing. I kind of agree with you. And by the way, Kevin, I think baking is a euphemism for sex. No, no, no I, I, we see the pictures. We see the pictures of the breads. They are there. The muffins, the breads, the bagels, all those. Okay, okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I agree. You know, and this is, I guess, this this is one of the things that should come out of co- this experience, this society-changing experience is the fact that, you know, a technology is not always, not just a key factor in helping quarantine people, track the disease, and also, you know, hopefully find a cure for it. But, you know, technology is also one of those things that's finding alternatives around it. And the electronics industry has kept going strong throughout this entire situation. And the fact that, we're now seeing a lot of new technologies like ray tracing that bring reality to virtual environments, you know, from NVIDIA as well as, you know, these new environments from Minecraft and everything else. This is really, I think, an interesting innovation period where it's involving corporate America, the electronics industry, and users to find different solutions. Yep. I think that's... It's it's really interesting how it's changing society. I think there will be we're not going back to the old normal. This is going to be a new normal going forward, and that's kind of kind of exciting actually. This is going to be a, an inflection of uh, where we go from here. We have a chance to create our own future at this point. I agree, and I don't know about you, but it, I really <laughs> and I'm enjoying not traveling all the time, which as an industry analyst sometimes gets. Ridiculous. Normally by February, I've already traveled around the world at least once. Not this year. This year, uh, I haven't traveled hardly at all, and I'm actually getting things done at home. That's a scary thought. Yeah, I know. But and but we still are keeping up on everything through these virtual meetings and as conferences. So the amazing thing, and, and we're so fortunate right now that this is all going on. While we have internet, we have the video conferencing capabilities, cloud services, all this are perfectly timed to make this a productive period of time for us. I completely agree. Well, final thoughts on it, Kevin? I'm really actually kind of excited to see where we go from here and, and how this new normal changes the way we do things. And 
this is uh we have to it's a good time to sit back and rethink the solutions now that said i think this might be bad news for people who organize conferences physical conferences and i think those companies need to pivot to digital conferences and start thinking about how they can do a better job of creating a professional digital environment for conferences and that's that that may be something that the, the more forward-thinking versions of the forward-thinking people will will embrace. Not to mention the travel industry, but I don't know about you. I'm actually looking forward to doing more with this Oculus headset and really experiencing, you know, virtual worlds, virtual environments, and even real environments through VR. So I, I really look forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping that these solutions come out quickly so that we can leverage the technology better. So I think that's a good time to wrap up. I think so. So that brings us to another an- the wrap of another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. That includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, mergers and acquisition evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and even marketing strategies. If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research, or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at Kevin at Tyrius Research or Jim at Tyrius Research. And our name is TIRIASResearch.com. You can also visit our website at the dot com, see our new lean mean purple machine. Keep up with us on social media. Our, on Twitter, that's at Tyrius Research, at Crewell for my more personal views of the world. And then Jim is at Tech Strategist, T E K. S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T. And then read our articles that we appear on Forbes, EE Times, and ECT News. We also have a number of new white papers posted on our website, so please check those out. Yeah, also look for more information on what's going on with COVID-19, as well as the technology around it from Tyrius Research. And if you have any ideas or recommendations on future Tyrius Cast and or articles, Please feel reach out to us. Hell, you can even uh, video conference with us. Just let us know. Once again, that's Kevin at TeriusResearch.com or Jim at TeriusResearch.com. Thank you, and we hope you have a very safe and happy day. Mm-hmm.